Hello, you're listening to the Consequential Podcast. It's just me and Roger this week. We're very sorry. Yeah, we're very sorry. We try, you know, not to make this one of those podcasts where two white men talk about things that they enjoy, but sometimes it is. We're sorry for being another one of those. At least we're not sponsored by Squarespace, or in fact anyone. Yeah, we're hardly going to recommend any email or web hosting software at all. No, none, none. None. What we will recommend is some comics. God, we're so professional. Oh, I was going to recommend some enterprise software licensing solutions. I can actually recommend quite a lot of web hosting and email software, but I don't want to. We try and pretend we're not those people for, you know, two hours at a time while we record this thing. Enterprise software is all I see when I close my eyes now. Are you... You're like Neo in the really bad Matrix films. Yeah, where the Matrix is hosted on some kind of god-awful Oracle Enterprise solution. So, what have you been reading to try and dull the pain of your everyday life? How do you escape? the back of wine bottles. Oh, come on now, that's not fair. Sometimes you read the front as well. I have an app for that. Yes, we were late starting because Roger was um, writing pithy reviews of wine on an app on his phone. It's really handy. It's like Shazam for white labels. It's super cool. Um, no, when I'm not dulling the pain with low-end substance abuse and self-abuse, I'm, uh, I've, been reading, I've been reading some comics, and the comics I have been reading are um, not, not that many this week, actually. Um, well, you've been busy drink-wanking, haven't you? So. A, little, a little drinky-wank. What yeah. do you, do you, like, how do you stop the drink from spilling? Do you have one of those beer hats? I think it's better when we have Lucy on the podcast. Why? She's worse than we are. Yeah, but but it feels more even-handed. You mean it's not just me abusing you? Yeah. Right. I I have been reading um, a few things, not very many. Um, Empty Zone, Injection, Armour. So as a brief re- recap, Empty Zone is... Jason Sean Alexander? Sean Jason? I can never get the... Jason Sean Alexander. Jason Sean Alexander. Who I think is the small guy out of Seinfeld. I might not be right. I'm not totally convinced you're right. I'm not sure. I I don't... I don't think that's true. I don't know. I don't know. Um... So I found... I was was looking it up and I think um, it is a sort of pre-existing or this is the new corpus in... in a... pre-existing... pre-existing world... Um, and he's 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 cyberpunk guy. It's full on. Yes, I was talking about this last time in the in the context of um, Starve and post semi collapse. I didn't realize Starve was Brian Wood, which actually makes it even more depressing that I disliked it as much as I did. Hmm. I think my angle on it last time was something to do with semi collapse being a, a response to to current culture and it being an interesting setting, kind of not. Extrude it selectively, extruding the present, giving people a a way of examining society not quite totally in the wreckage, but in somewhere between decay and de- decline. Uh, oh God, I'm blithering. Anyway, it's it's there is the, you've got this character Kareem who's got a, a robot arm and a and a mysterious past, and she's sort of a mercenary or sort of a fixer. It's not totally clear, and she lives in the wreckage of late twenty first of late sorry late twentieth early twenty first century cyberpunkized capitalism 
starts to hallucinate, starts to see things while while out on some kind of job stuff connected with her past. It's it's gorgeous. It's sort of semi-painty. It does big sweeps of of um, of city quite well. Some of the visualizations of cityscapes are a bit like if you left the Inkel to go off in the fridge. It's it's kind of um, those those mad vertiginous sweeps of overcolored future cities. This is this is brought down into a grottier palette and an itchier itchier set of pencils. And in the first issue is, is very very simple. There's something happening in her head. She's hallucinating. Stuff is going on, and there's a little sting at the end, and she fights a cool robot. And in this issue. Something's going on, she hallucinates, there's a bit of a sting at the end, and she fights a really disgusting robot. But, and I do wonder if this is going to be the, the pattern. I'm making this sound way more fun than it is, it's actually quite nasty. Um, she starts to hallucinate and see things kind of from the past, and it looks like, it sort of looks like someone is conducting a horrifying experiment to, well, something a bit like source code to sort of network nearly dead or recently dead brains and do stuff with the fragments of the human mind. Um, it's right. it's nasty. It's interesting. the The art is absolutely lovely. I, I don't know. It's not my it's not my normal mirror. It's um, I think I said last time that it it feels like a sort of soured, poisoned version of the world in Transmetropolitan. Um, it doesn't have any of the visual or, or sort of generally rambunctious joy that the city... In, I mean, the city in Transmet is horrible, but there's a joy but to exploring lively. it. It's, it's and the colours play differently and the lines play differently, and this is... this is more sunken and grubby. I like it. It's doing a really good job of keeping me hooked, despite not in... Okay, I really want to complain about it for being maybe a little bit derivative and maybe a little bit obvious and for and for doing some potentially lazy stuff, but I just can't because it never goes quite far enough into any of those, those things. It's sort of... You look at it and you think... There's a sinister megacorp in a fallen world who's possibly linking to get building some kind of brain thing with the minds of the recently dead. It's fairly cardboard cutout sinister. But come on, that's great, and there's a lady with a robot arm, and the setting's really compelling, and I just kind of... It's pushing enough of my buttons, and it's doing the somewhat derivative stuff it's doing really well. You are allowed to have fun. Are you, you sure? Are. Yes, despite everything I tried to teach you with that series of escalating electric shocks, you are allowed to have fun. I'll have to check the chart. Hmm. Like... A mini fun, or an actual, and fun. You're allowed to have as much fun as your literary degree will allow. Well, that's not very much. No, it's not. No, it's not. Not at all. Still on sci-fi. Um, Armour, the th- third volume. Is that the final <sighs> volume of Armour? No, there's one more to come, and oh god, I'm jonesing for it. Why are you so excited? Because Armour is the best. It's it's like. Everything I wanted the Inkel to be, except the Inkel was a pile of crap. It's safe to say that you're not fond of the writing in the Inkel. What writing? Well, you know, the vision quest. That It reads like someone had an unfortunate but surprisingly coherent rectal prolapse just over a typewriter. That's probably not far off Jodorowsky's writing method, to be honest. No, no, it wouldn't surprise me. I imagine he gets through the plastic sheeting at a rate of knots. But, um... It's, uh, 
so for, for people who haven't who haven't read Armour, it's again superficially this is sci-fi territory we've been down before. You know, it's there's a grubby semi-dystopian future society, rampant capitalism, mega corpse. There have been some events in the recent past that have led to controls on certain technologies, genetic interference mostly. There's a return to basic... Most people have kind of implants and corrections, and there's a return to basic human movement that's heavily stigmatised. Our main character is a sort of schlubby everyman figure who's fallen on hard times and lost his... uh, sort of alienated from his wife, lost access to his daughter, would quite like to get that back. Bumps into his brother, who's a fixer for a shady megacorp, and they go off on a quest to um, essentially splash around in the subplot of Star Trek II. Like, it's... um, There's some kind of lost science project out on this planet that does something to do with rewriting or rewiring or recreating life. Um... And it's gone rogue, and the robots are coming, and there are really beautifully drawn, icky, squishy biological constructs. And it feels like, up front, it feels like it's going to a planetary sentience place. Again, reasonably well-worn trope. Uh, with the sort of semi-robotic flowers and gorgeous, disgusting flesh tones. The colour and the, the use of squishy, fleshy things in it is just amazingly done. It's... It, it's as much psychedelia as I can tolerate, but with an amazing amount of actual coherence, keeping it all in check. It's it's quite tightly plotted. The character work is quite well done. It is on an arc to make sense, although we're, it's currently blowing quite far out in the winds of having not quite explained everything, and that's partly been pulled back in in this volume and is going to collapse a lot harder in the final one. Uh, it feels like it might not actually deliver on that promise, but even if it doesn't, it'll still be fucking great. Um, and Verloc, the main character, is constantly confused by the stuff that he finds himself in, but sort of surprisingly semi-competent. And Conrad, his brother, is superficially massively competent and goes off the rails, so there's a nice little sort of symmetry there. This this volume is dials up some of the mysteries, but answers some of the others, so they're, they're lost out in the desert, trying to find armor, the titular weird experimental goop that's gone rogue. Uh, and as they get closer to the source, the planet gets weirder and more threatening. Fights them a bit. There are mad, fleshy constructs and weird bits of exoflora. Exofauna as well. There are some nasty things that, like weird, squishy limpet fuckers on tiny little legs that appear to vomit up CCTV cameras. It's uh, it's a gooey volume. This one, and there's a really cool robot ape. Is this this is the monkey that's been throughout the whole thing? Yeah. yeah. So in this one, it goes a bit hallucinatory. We get quite a lot of backstory. Um, Verloc has this... It kind of wanders into the, the depth of, of the of these sort of armour-controlled bits of the planet and starts having the sort of hallucinated recollections of his past in which we get quite a bit of his backstory fleshed out, but they are marshalled and weird and peculiar. Um... Peters clearly kind of gets to really go off on one with the slight psychedelia bent, but again keeps it massively in check and keeps the storytelling coherent. And it it ends with um, Verloc kind of becoming part of or somehow infected by or vaguely interfacing with armor and maybe having superpowers and going home to fuck some shit up. Not totally clear how it's all going to play out. So the final volume's out in October, isn't it? Something like that. 
which um, is called something like You Will Be Glorious, My Child, or it, it's something deliciously overblown. So it was, the first one is something like the, ta- the Blood and Dust, The Taste of... D- taste of Warm Dust. Taste of Warm Dust. The second... They've got these... The, the, the volume titles are like Babylon 5 episode titles. It's gloriously overblown. Um, it does seem to be um, shooting for a sort of quasi-biblical um, tenor in, in... Well, there's a lot of messianic stuff. It's it's that kind of stages of human evolution, eschatologically transitional sci-fi wank that is just like crack to me. I, I love Props for using eschatological and wank in the same sentence. <laughs> That's your uh, consequential cognitive dissonance promise right there. <laughs> Um, no, Armour was, was my best of the year in 2013, I think. Yeah. And I was going to do it again in 14, but we decided that we couldn't just keep putting the same books on the list. Um, I never had a sequel. Oh. I know. Sad. Tender listeners, his, his upper lip did quiver. Yes. Yes, it did. He looks very sad. Yes. You yeah. can hear... The overwhelming emotion in my voice. It could just be because you you kind of haven't slept for about a week. Yeah, who does these days? It's the humidity. It's yes. It's, Cambridge is just right at the moment. Cambridge is is just like living in a giant bull sack. Yeah. The the entire town kind of feels. If like there were some reasonably good museums in said scrotum. Yeah, it's it's like a well curated cricket box. How does one curate a cricket box? Well, you create the things in the, in the cricket box, I suppose, you fucking pedant. No, 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 I'm just... Would, would you... like? Do you reach over and just pop some things in there? It's like, I know you're enjoying not having ice cubes and live shrimp in there, but now you've got ice cubes and live, live shrimp. We think it's a good look for your genital region. That is, broadly speaking, how algorithmic curation works. I mean, that's, that's, that's a pretty good description of consuming a Facebook feed. Having unexpected ice cubes and shrimp jammed around your ghoulies. When all you really wanted to do was get not does not get punched on the cock. Is this are you previewing your talk about how machine learning and and, and uh, vision works? No, 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 I'm never gonna get to give that talk. You could yell it into the sink. <laughs> Tell us about parallel lines while we're on the topic of Cambridge and its scrotal ways. I don't think this is particularly particularly scrotal. No, no, it's not. But I just wanted to reiterate that Cambridge is crotchy right now. It is crotchular in aspect. Yes. It's not very pleasant. It's a sweaty town. It is. It's just, it's flat out swampy. It's like, it's half ballsack, half mango grove. Yeah. It's, It's not nice. Parallel Lines is quite nice. So this is um, this was something that was brought to your attention on Twitter last night. Yeah, a chap called Richard Swan, I think, who's a, an artist and possibly illustrator, comics creator, Cambridge-based. Um, website is called Moon Underground. Yeah, themoonunderground.com. Um, I've been a bit shabby on due diligence today, so I haven't checked if he's actually got anything in print, but you can read a couple of his comics on themoonunderground.com. And I believe that you should... 
So there's a thing called Parallel Lines, which I read, and then just before this I was taking a look at Inner Flatland. And they're um, largely or entirely wordless, with just this lovely, crisp line work. Uh, mostly black and white, I think. There, there are a couple of colour bits in some of the shorter comics. I have a quick flip through. He's got a few um, sort of comedy uh, comedy bits as well on the um, on the on the site. There's there's some fun stuff there. His explanation of cricket is quite delightful. Um, but uh, yeah, so parallel lines is. I don't really know how to. Like, if Miyazaki remade the first half of Wally. Yeah, that's a. Uh, reasonably apt description. See, the, the early bits of Spirited Away where you're, you're seeing this inscrutable construction of a society composed of weird creatures. It's, it's this, this sort of story, I think, about robots doing some excavation for reasons that I'm not 100% clear on. They're, they're probably robots. They look a bit like robots. Um, going through this repeating process and trying to access the thing that's beyond the gate that looks more interesting and there's a kind of touching sadness to bits of it but also some hope um, and it's just a beautifully drawn little thing I say little, it's actually quite long and I don't mean to be diminutive in the slightest it's um, well, go and take a look basically it, I, I don't really comics are a massively visual medium I don't talk about that enough, partly because I can't see colours properly, partly because my background is wanking around with text, but I really struggle with some of the wordless stuff. I, I think this does a very good job of conveying an awful lot of tone and feeling, and is a, a really nice example of non-textual storytelling. Untitled is very good as well. Is that is, the panel a day yeah, Twitter thing? Which is really... On the site, really well done for um, vertical scrolling. Mm. It really, really works as a a thing on the web, um, and it seems which is be... still rarer than it should be in implementation of these things. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's lovely, and um, I do like the sort of the changing style in the artwork as the focus changes. Mm. Um, I, I would say this. I would say that um, Moon Underground and which is one, is yeah, definitely worth a look. There's a lot of stuff you can just go and have a look at and probably worth keeping an eye on. I think so. Injection. Hmm? What? Already? The good thing about huge pregnant pauses is that I can edit them down so that everyone still knows that the file's not broken, but that I do think that you are an idiot and a subhuman. <laughs> This um, this this episode of, of the consequential podcast has been particularly unpleasant, even by the low grubby standards we set. I I apologise. You've just done being a shit to me. Yeah, well, I'm tired and cranky. I Do you need your juice, juice box? <laughs> Juice. We've never captured one of those before. No, what a magical moment. What a wonderful time to be alive. Oh, God. <laughs> Thankfully, there's wine. So, Injection is... I think we, we both liked the first couple of issues, but it was taking a little while to 
get anywhere. It was very, very slowly and deliberately introducing all of the characters. Um, and issue three, it sort of finally nailed a bit of that. There's a rhythm. Oh, fuck yes, pay attention. There's a rhythm he's built up in trees, I would argue, and maybe from writing prose. I think fiction. it's very, very deliberate. Um, I'm not suggesting he's just discovered it, but kind of no, but doing it actively in a few places at the moment. I, I think there's, there's very much, here is Moon Knight, this is what it looks like when I'm going to write a 22-page comic for someone like Marvel from now mm. on. Otherwise, leave me the fuck alone, I'll tell things at my own pace, and I really don't care if it's however many pages of, of dead tree stapled together each month, I'm doing it how mm. I want to do it. Um, and you get a much slower, more drawn-out thing as a, as a result, and it's not necessarily brilliantly suited to single issues. There's a reason I'm reading Trees in Trades. Yeah, I don't think I don't think it's sort of mind-buggeringly wrong. Mm. But this this flows a lot better in singles than Trees. Yes, yes, it does. Um, yes, it's more. It is a little bit more um, to tune towards it. But I think this was the issue where tiny chunks of the central mystery started to appear. Well, we know structurally what injection kind of is heading towards meaning, right? Yeah, we do. We know what we know we some of what it's done. We don't know yeah, what it was. We don't was. really know what it is. I mean, they use the phrase "distributed feral intelligence" uh, and, and an attempt to make the world more interesting. Yeah, but to be fair, that was in the pre-publicity. Uh, there's bits of it, there's references to the various characters wanting to make the world more interesting. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think that this, this is the one where it really, really landed for me, and I think in particular there were bits of the artwork that I felt really stood out as yeah. well, I, I love the... one particular sequence with um, the dry, with the Oh, and, yes, yes, yes. Um, sort of summoned woodland creatures. Um well, just the morale stuff in the other world or whatever it is. Yeah, a sort of cheap, crappy hotel draining away into mm. this um, into this other world that he refuses to believe exists because he doesn't like what it means for him or what they've done, mm. um, and sort of fundamentally a part of reality that he can see objectively and rejects fairly vociferously. There's a really wonderful thing... Did we talk about this last time, about the slight relation, very slight, to Lud and the Mist? Um, no, I don't think so. You have mentioned Lud and the Mist before. Magic and the Law thing? The whole thing about performative language. Some interpretations of law are one form of performative language. Some, interpre- some interpretations of magic are another kind of... Dictating the structure of the world using magic words. And one of the things that the weirdness... We still don't know what it's going to turn out to be in, in Injection. But one of the things that the weirdness has going on is that it's quite often posed next to big, weird declarative statements. Um, I am no cunning man while well, he's actually being a fucking cunning man. Or, you know, yeah. I reject this. So, so, so there are some declarative and performative things that happen and seem associated with that's as far as we can interpret I particularly things that like, might be magic. I particularly like the um, the I am not a cunning man thing, whereby, you know, even if he's not an actual magician, and Jura's still out on that one, mm. to be separate from society doing weird things for the benefit of society is by definition to yep. be a cunning man. And it's possible that whatever the injection is is just fucking with him. 
except the way he the way they talk about the history of the breakers yard and what have you there is at minimum a tradition of believing in the existence of something not unlike fairy yeah now it may not actually be real this may be a long-standing entrenched historical delusion i, I also love the description of the weird shit as little ieds of weird physics mm. that's well it's very warren ellis but in a, in a really good way. My, my favorite thing about issue issue three um, is the is Maria's voice really taking shape, and it turning out that the narrative voice, the sort of box out descriptors for the panels, is if not her, then a kind of free and direct style passenger in her head. I think it jumps about a little bit as to who it is. It varies slightly, so it seems to be different when it's following Bridget. Yeah. Um, it takes on... It doesn't speak in their voice, but it takes on some of their attitude. Um, very Henry James, actually. I'm quite looking forward to seeing more of the very obviously Sherlock Holmesian character. Did you see the thing in uh, Orbital Operations about him and how much fun Ellis is having writing him? He's very, very arch. Mm. Very arch. Playing the game of what ridiculous thing can you get him to say this week? The Gone White Devil was a good mm. one. It's um, also... This this fucker has to get optioned for TV so that I can buy the, elect- the, 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 prop, the prop version of the electric arm. After me. After me, yeah. Yeah, it's basically a crude electric lightsaber slash ceremonial dagger um, which again is is very very Warren Ellis um, we still don't really know enough to know what the fuck is happening in the slightest but I'm at the point where I'm convinced that whatever it is it will be interesting and that's given me the right level of investment to just continue with it it's at that exact sweet spot where guessing is fun as well Yeah. so I've got a number of hypotheses um, I wouldn't bet heavily on any of them. No, no. Particularly, I mean, Supreme, which was must have been written broadly simultaneously to some of it, was um, looked as though it was going into a sort of pure physics place, and and really went veered quite hard. There was a bit of a curveball in that, so I wouldn't want to bet any particular take on um, Warren Ellis's mm. stories. I think he's actually doing some of his most interesting stuff right now. He's had yes. bigger and brasher in the past. I, he's done so many things that I would cut him a blank check forever for. Like, well, two in particular, Transmet and Planetary. Yeah. I would wank myself silly over either of them. And then there's plenty of other stuff I love. I've got a soft spot for Ocean, despite the fact that it suffers from that problem he sometimes has with endings. Um, I love Orbiter, but for big sweep and genuinely important, huge, also hugely influential work, um, Transmetropolitan and Planetary. But then, you know, the, the, and those are just the things that I love. There's plenty more stuff he's done, but. So he finished doing Transmit, did some other stuff, then did Planetary. The Planetary stuff slides into the same sort of period as the Wildstorm stuff. And then there was a bit of splashing around in... Novels you didn't quite like? And... Oh, the, the Avatar years. Yeah, well, what for a worse writer would have been Vanity Projects? 
Black Gas. Um, Jack Cross. What was the other one? Captain, Captain Swing and the Electric Pirates of Cindery Island or something, something. something like that. Um, there was some good stuff there too. I really enjoyed Crazy. Yeah, I didn't actually read that, but um, it was good. It's oh, basically thing, just a medieval soldier telling you how fucking awful medieval warfare mm. was from a peasant's point of view. The, um, the thing with the weird kids um, in the drowned cities. Freak Angels. Thank you. Um, actually, that was good. Actually Paul Duffield's art is mm. really very nice. One of the one of the artists that I really like that's manga influenced but not doing manga. Yeah. Oh, there is one thing actually. There is just one thing that's been bothering me about it. I don't know if this means anything or not, but um, although if no, he's not going to do a weird switcher about what is or is not real. That's too hoary. But uh, there's this thing of things that don't happen on the page are really really perfunctory. Could you elaborate? Um, there, in, in I think each issue so far, certainly in issue one and issue three, and I, I think there's one in issue three. There is a casual offhand mention to someone who has involvement with the other characters. They character died. Casual offhand, treated as exactly normal. Oh yes. Um, in issue three, it's dispatch. Oh, she died. No details. No one asks any questions. There's a similar one in, in issue in issue one. These, I think they're most usually people associated with the weird megacorp, so yeah. it's possible that that's just shady dealings. But the characters, and it's poss- again possibly because they're all kind of a bit crazy, not least um, Maria, but... Well, not crazy. They're a bit weirdly focused. They're, they're weirdly focused, they're guilt-ridden. They're also experienced at living in the sort of verging on intelligence work world of secrets where the shit does happen Mm -hmm. so everyone's very unquestioning of certain things and context is fed in perfunctorily and no one seems to mind and that feels to me like a gesture and I don't know if it's going anywhere or if it means anything but it, it reads like a gesture of some kind I don't know I don't have any further thoughts on that there are I mean there are some very obvious bits like the you sort of issue one ends with the discovery of a computer system which seems to have taken over someone's body to talk to one of the characters the next you see of this the, the body's on fire she's crying and you, the police sort of mind but not really yeah you don't really know you don't really learn any more about that so yes it does cut away from these things but that may just be because it's going to it's already got one level of fragmentation on the narrative there's the sort of foundation of the group in the first meeting and to where they are now you could easily add a third layer of time well yeah and there's also the lives they have outside it and we are clearly looking at what they do on their holidays right we're looking at these are people with big, weird portfolios of shit that are being pulled away from that to deal with the mess they made. Yeah. Which is, by implication, an even bigger, even weirder, even shittier pile of something. Yeah. It's definitely a thing to read now. Um, I think it's creeping into being my favourite ongoing. Yes. I I have a 
deeply problematic relationship with Wikdiv, but I'm not going to drop it. Um, I'm trade waiting for trees, otherwise that'd be a contender. Uh, only two issues in, I am loving Empty Zone. I'm not. What else ongoing am I reading? I've picked up a few issue ones here and there and just not been grabbed. You're on British Limit and Copperhead. I haven't carried on with Copperhead because I'll just get the trades. It's really, really fun, but it, I tried, I don't like to have a large weekly roster. No, it's painful. And expensive. And expensive. Um, so if I love something... If I like something but don't... You really let it go it. to trade. Yeah. Um, oh, you bastard. So I honestly don't know if I'll pick up Rush Limit again. Uh, Captara. Captara I'm buying weekly. Very different. Yeah, but brilliant. Yeah. So I read the final issue of Hawkeye. Oh, it's wrapped it's up. It's wrapped up, finally. Did you did you shed a very manful tear? A, a little one, yeah, like a, a single one as a hawk flew past. Um, it was a. Uh, it was six months late. There's no getting away from that. Um, no one really knows what's happened at Marvel, but no one's having a fun time there. No one's work. No one involved seems to be working for them anymore. Um, hmm. Weird. Yeah, and the I think we're already three or four issues into the new Hawkeye series, which started well before this. Um, you were saying Warren Ellis has a, has an issue with endings. This has is, in the past. This is perfectly written as an ending. It's written very deliberately as an encapsulation of everything that's happened before, and yeah. partly that's I think engagement with the fans, but. Yeah, there are so for the for for one thing, it's a big slap down fight with um, Hawkeye's many and various versus the the tracksuit Draculas or the Bros, mm. um, in which you know everyone gets their chance to have the absolute crap kicked out of them, which has been one of the fundamental themes of of Hawkeye is that he just keeps going and trying to do the right thing despite being really quite bad at it and getting the shit kicked out of him um, and both he, he and Kate, both Hawkeyes have the opportunity to have the absolute shit kicked out of him throughout this whole thing um, it resolves a lot of the plot lines, I mean it resolves pretty much everything, it makes tiny but pointed throwbacks to um various points throughout the um, throughout the run so a whole thing about Clint being really schlubby and Kate trying to get him to put collar stays in his shirt so that his collar doesn't get creased pays off in the final issue and completely throw away stuff like him having to call out Tony Stark to fix his AV setup. I remember that gets dragged up again but not, you know, it's not it's not spoken, but mm. it's there. It's done in a clever way. The artwork's just fantastic. The ending is the the actual sort of ending is almost movie credits fade out, done incredibly stylishly. Mm. The whole thing's just great. It wraps it up brilliantly. Um, and they've just announced that there's going to be a, a second giant size collection of it. Oh, cool. Um, so that's sort of like one and a half times size the artwork of the the floppy issues will be out at Christmas so I'm getting that it was just lovely I just really 
wrapped up a comic that took far too fucking long, um, for one thing. Do you remember how long it took the last issue of Planetary to come out? Yeah, I mean, that was... Was that three years? That was a while, yeah. It was at least a year. This, so Hawkeye, I think we covered the first issue in the first podcast we did. Hmm. It's been going for that long. Christ, that is nearly three years. We've been going for that long. Mm-hmm. But they had they could have stuck the landing. They had the opportunity to stick the landing. They, they, it, it all works out. It was... It would have been very, very easy to not... To rush things, but... It worked. I really liked it. I read Island. Which one's that? Island is... Brandon Graham's comics magazine. Oh yes. So, the um, the first issue is it's got a bit of his multiple warheads, which we've talked about before. It continues that. It's his very pun-heavy trip across post-apocalyptic Russia. Um, it continues to be the thing that it is. Um, there's a new story by Emma Rios in there, which is. Some sort of sci-fi setting where people can have sort of complete complete body changing plastic surgery, but it's very very new and and uh, unpleasant, and it's a bunch of people talking about why they may want to do that in a cafe while a riot goes on. Um, quite hard to discern what's going on, but beautiful artwork because it's Emmaus and she is very good. It's very stylish. It's all just red on white. Mm. Um, it's got uh, an essay in there from Kelly C. DeConnick on being a writer, which is quite interesting and is well written. Um, and it's got something about skateboarding vigilantes, which I didn't really get on with. I think essentially it's going to be like a fairly expensive version of Heavy Metal or 2000 AD. There's going to be a bunch of stuff in there. Some of it you'll like, some of it you won't. I didn't realize that was what it was. I might actually check it out. I think it's it's quite interesting. There's um. It, it's yeah it's it's a magazine there's different things every single time there's no set page count mm. as far as I can tell um, it's I wouldn't say it was great there were lots of bits in it that I enjoyed but it is it's the sort of that's how the format is there's going to be stuff you like and stuff you don't I really like the Emma Rios thing even if I did find it quite tricky I really enjoyed the um the essay, essay by Kelly Sue mm. and more multiple warheads is always a good thing even if it wasn't really the highlight for me no I've been vaguely wondering not vaguely 2080 is so obviously a good format yeah that it has occasionally occurred to me to wonder why less of that is happening I know in Japan right so that's it's anthology magazines are a, a manga delivery mechanism yeah but yeah, it happens there. And, I mean, 2000 AD has always struggled financially. Um, Which is such a pity. It's so good. It's sort of jumped back and forth. I think they're doing okay at the moment. Mm. And they've started to pick up in America a little bit more. Oh, that'd be nice. Um, heavy Metal is another one. Mm. Um, and Grant Morrison's just been appointed editor-in-chief of that, which could go horribly wrong or it could be quite interesting. Horribly wrong or horribly right, but there's definitely a fixed point in that transaction. Yeah, I think it'll be it'll be worth checking out. It'll definitely be a shot in the arm for heavy metal, if not the whole magazine format itself. Mm. 
but it is interesting that there are more people doing it all of a sudden and it is an interesting way to find new things mm. so yeah I can't wholeheartedly recommend it but it's something that's interesting oh, it's nice know. to see more people doing that what's it redoing for? I don't know it's in dollars I don't know what I was charged for quite a lot because it's quite chunky it's sort of 60-70 pages so what like nine dollars? shall we find out? let's digital edition is eight dollars Okay. So, depending on your local comic book shop's pricing policy, probably around six pounds. About six pounds, I would reckon. Sounds reasonable, you know. It's I big. Think. Well, Delicious Magazine is currently four fifty. Why is that your touchstone? It's the only print magazine I regularly buy. I see. Well, I buy. I occasionally buy Delicious Magazine. I occasionally buy New Scientist, and I occasionally buy Prospect. Hmm. One thing that does endear Island is that it's Brandon Graham so the whole thing is shot through with his weird sense of humour mm. everything is full of puns and oddness and I love it it's all off kilter in a non wacky way uh, I liked it I also liked Godzilla in Hell which sounds... you were mocking me for no I wasn't it sounds like joyous nonsense so it opens on Godzilla as a tiny speck tumbling into this gigantic chasm. Just two pages of Godzilla falling through space. Then he lands. And he's in hell. Like Christian hell. Seems unfair. It does seem a bit unfair. You don't know why he's there. There's no dialogue. And it's great. I Godzilla is obviously quite confused by it. I don't think that he has any particular understanding of Judeo-Christian mythology. If the premise of Godzilla in Hell, particularly if it's basically Dante's Hell, if the premise Godzilla in Hell doesn't have you instantly hooked, yeah. you are fucking dead to us. It is um, it is Dante's Hell. You're still allowed to listen, don't worry. Yeah, as the, so at the end he falls into another level. Mm. So I'm pretty sure it is Dante's Hell. And the first level, he encounters a monster that looks just like him, but then opens up into a gigantic maw of teeth and things. Um, walks through a cloud of human bodies that are just tumbling over and over each other. I think that's a reasonable... I, I, I'm not... I can't really remember much of the way the Inferno goes, but I think that's structurally... I think it probably is following. Um, and he comes across a human city, which is just monsters... So, you know, there's like a power station, which is a very Godzilla thing to smash. And um, just horrible tentacly things burst out of it. It's James Stoko is writing and doing the art. And he did um, Godzilla Half-Century War, which was great. Um, so it starts with a, a, a Japanese soldier at the time of the first Godzilla film. Um and him sort of becoming part of this anti-kaiju force throughout the years. So it follows this soldier, and mm. like each each issue was a different decade, um, with him sort of having different fights against Godzilla and the various other kaiju that are erupting from. So I'm not madly familiar with the kaiju movie genre. I only know a little bit about it. But is the the sort of not exactly anti-hero, but Yes, he smashes shit up, but also occasionally defends thing. Thing is that canonical for Godzilla? Oh yeah, absolutely, it is. So originally, the very first Godzilla film was just he's been woken up by nuclear testing. He's angry, smashing things. Like if you have one Godzilla film, that that's probably it. But the sort of the Toho films got weirder later on, and he would start to defend the Earth from various other 
kaiju like Mothra and, well, um, and, as and King Ghidorah. Basically the same premise as the recent reboot. Yes. Yeah, so... When I say recent, it must be two years ago now. One year, two years? One year, I think. So, which, yes, which I know a lot of people didn't like, but I fucking loved. He, is, he has sort of wound up protecting things quite a lot in the Godzilla films. There's and Godzilla, smashing them. And smashing them, yeah, because he's, you know, 500 stories tall. Um, stuff's going to get smashed. But the thing the thing I love about um, the James Stoker Godzilla comics is it's so inherently grounded in the films. Mm-hmm. You don't see him do anything that the suit can't do. The right. expressions of the uh, the expressions on the suit, oh, that's, and even that's though lovely. it's drawn in a beautifully detailed way, there's nothing really happening that sort of feels, besides the scale, nothing really feels like it like it's outside of mm-hmm. what happens in the films. Um, and he's just a who's running this? Is it uh, IDW? IDW. Hmm. Yeah, I really want to. I, I really want to check this out. It's um, it's a really nice comic. You know from the title, Godzilla in Hell, if you want to read it. The artwork's great. It's a weird and fascinating premise. Um, and if you've ever wanted to see Godzilla just, you know, the lightning goes up the spines, the noise happens, he shoots fire breath. But in this case, that is to blow up a sign that says, Welcome to Hell. It's. I can imagine it being quite sad. It is quite sad. He doesn't know what the fuck's going on. He's just storming about. Weird shit is happening to him. It does feel quite sad. It really does. Um, I really liked it. Really liked it. Is it on physical or digital or both? I've got a physical copy. It is available um, digitally, but I don't think IDW um, are part of the DRM free promotion. Um, on Comixology or... But could I buy direct from them? I believe so. Oh no, IDW are DRM free on Comixology, so you can just, you can download it or you can um, buy direct. It's good. Half Century War is good as well. Get both. Godzilla in hell. Who knew? I think we knew from the title. Hmm. So, I think we, we briefly covered it last week, but it's been announced that Warren Ellis is going to be writing James Bond for IDW. Which is interesting. I mean, how does IDW get the Bond rights? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, well, I don't know. Maybe there was a bidding process. Maybe they came with Ellis already attached. That would do it. Um, Maybe the people that own the Bond rights do not give a shit about comics as a medium and therefore just sold it to the first person who turned up and looked vaguely credible. And having Alice in the mix would do it. Because, as we are about to discuss, dude likes a weird spook. He does. Um, Particularly, he likes the really broken down, really ought to retire spooks that sort of late stage Bond will be. Well, he likes putting things in the wreckage of other things. And the wreckage of espionage is something he's come back to again and again. Yeah, repeatedly. I mean, it's... Uh, the, the wreckage of mad science TV espionage, not... You know, this, this is not... Smiley gets Alzheimer's. Uh, Red is, to an extent. Mm. Um, which was one of his Avatar books. Red is, you know, what happens to CIA agents when they retire. Um... 
and the answer there is that the CIA tries to kill them uh, and they fight back because they've been doing this longer than you Sonny which was turned into a you know quite quite a funny uh, film but is actually just an old man beating people's heads in in the comic um, Desolation Jones as well is, is another great one like what happens when a spy gets too burnt out but won't leave the service um, and in the case of that he basically doesn't sleep for a year to see what it will do to him and they do some other stuff too yeah, they pump never him really full of, explained yeah they pump him full of stuff and he doesn't sleep um, and then he gets packed off to LA which it turns out is basically a giant ankle tagged farm for ex-spies who are all doing weird shit but it's the weird, uh, broken-down sci-fi world expires. So, you know, there's the guy that... It's semi-sci-fi thriller expires. Like, you know, so the Born Identity franchise, Born franchise, is the closest mass media construct to this, which is that it don't, it, it's not quite sci-fi. Well, it is. It's got weird genetic modification stuff going on and... This, but it never really explains it yeah. to its credit. This, this present idea in reasonably mainstream, in, in thriller culture of intelligence agencies doing stuff at the cutting edge of technology and well outside ethics. And here is the fallout. Warren Ellis has mad previous on clocking, taking the at the front of technology, clocking it forward a couple of years further than a mainstream thriller would, so it get, feels a bit more William Gibson. Um, and then showing us the wreckage. So Desolation Jones, Jones himself is part of this weird experiment. He doesn't sleep, they pump him full of something. He goes to LA, he meets a guy who has robotic teeth because he was the fallout from an experiment to see how long you'd go without eating in the field or excreting or having any bodily functions he meets a lady who's was supposed to be a seductress but the experiment failed and she gives people the mad arachnid response he meets all of these people with subtle twists that are plausible things that you could imagine a slightly mad scienced version of the TV CIA doing to be honest given some stuff they funded in the 60s and 70s you could actually imagine the CIA doing just not succeeding at it it's yeah, I mean, given MK Ultra particularly, it's not exactly outside of the realms of possibility. I think Ellis's view, or that era of Ellis's writing's view on intelligence is what if they'd never learned from MK Ultra? But it's also a vast, um, vast and complex machine that's entirely powered by fallible, broken, aging humans. Um, Some of whom really, really want to collect Hitler's illicit pornography stash. That is. Still, still, quite honestly, it's still the best MacGuffin of all time. Um, not to give too much away, I don't think you can even buy Desolation Jones anymore. But I'll sell it to you on eBay for monies. He won't. He loves it too much. You can buy the trade. You can actually buy the trade. Okay. Um, it's yeah. It's, it's the one I that's do really, really love it. It's it's is it, it's James Williams, isn't it? Yeah, it's James Williams. It's great art. Um, it's beautiful. It's really, nasty. really stylized. Um, and it's very much of that fuck you, I'm from the internet uh, era of Warren Ellis' writing. It's so if you wanted an artist to visualize a scrawny, aggressive bastard who sometimes hallucinates and lives in a world overwashed out by sodium lights, 
Yeah. Yeah, it's perfect. I mean, I don't know if you... Well, I know you have, you introduced me to them, but the uh, the Sandman Slim novels, our readers, our listeners may or may not be familiar with, but I consistently picture Cadre's L.A. as Jones's... as Desolation Jones's L.A. It, it, that's what I go to. That's my touchstone. Yeah. In, in Cadre's L.A., it's basically L.A., but it's full of squabbling magicians and ancient magical families, and they all hate each There's other. There's a lot of rogue, rogue wizard twats. Um, yeah, it doesn't feel a million miles away. Um, that rogue wizard twat isn't a triple-class thing. We've not broken D&D. I don't really... I don't know how you would roll a character for twat. Like, plus ten Burberry of... I, I don't know. Yeah, I've never played D&D. The, 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 the trilby of shouting. Would it be a trilby or would it be a fedora? Sorry, fedora. I, I feel sorry. I, I, I feel genuinely bad for mixing those up. Yeah, you should. I mean, your starting spell would be manspread. Or mansplain. I think that's level two. Ellis has enjoyed dicking around in this world of slightly sci-fiized, fractured espionage for a long time. Desolation Jones is, is the most... Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. It's not funny. Well, it is funny, but it's not light by any means. And it's the it's probably the closest to being um, within the realms of possibility. I mean, they are they are overextended specialists who burned out. They just had stuff done to them. Yeah. So you could imagine you could imagine a fairly plausible modern TV show based on a less a slightly less literary version of what they all do. So. The explosive specialist that Jones knows quite well. I can't remember the character's name. She could be an actual explosive spe- specialist as opposed to someone that builds weird robots. Right, right. You could you could dial it back not very far and you'd get something just as marketable as Bourne. But the, the sort of, I mean, the Grim Egg spook carries on throughout mm. a lot of what he's done. So it's, it's in planetary. It's all over planetary. Uh, many one, times. one pops up in trees. Um, injection has more than its share. His global about. frequency. Global frequency. Miranda Zero is just the Uber one. I mean, basically, the whole thing. The premise is that it's funded by the fact that she knows everything from her time in the intelligence services, and everyone's bribing her to keep quiet and keep cleaning up their messes. Yeah. Well, yes, she's she's productized the problem of retiring spooks. And it comes across in a ton of other stuff. SVK, um, the weird little thing with the insane torch that he made with Berg. Oh, um, God, Ultraviolet. Yeah. Was it called Ultraviolet? It was called SVK. SVK. Special Berg. viewing kit. Was that with Berg? Yes. Oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah, but I bought it. It wasn't good. It wasn't good at all. Are we Are we done now? Is it officially okay to not nosh off Berg? They folded, so it's fine. Thank fuck. For those who don't know, they were a sort of experimental technology and design firm in London. They made the little printer, which printed out an RSS feed, just just in time to really capture the fucking death knell of both RSS and printers. Wow, you're actually being harsher to them than I was going to. I merely found them slightly obnoxious. Um... 
Yeah, imagine if a fairly talented but not that remarkable digital design agency set themselves up as the fucking tech messiahs and got taken seriously by the industry. It was terrifying. It was a dark age. Now there's thousands of them, but the signal-to-noise ratio is such that you can just ignore them. It's a lot easier to tune out. But he's done this this again and again. Mm -hmm. Um, Keeps coming back to sort of the aging, burnt-out spy... Well, I think you you, you remarked um, trees. You, you said something along the lines of trees is the, one of the least warrantlessy things I'd read. I thought for a while, and then an aging spook turned up living in Alistair Crowley's house. Yeah, yeah, he can't quite get away with it. And I think I know. So I think in the past we've we've criticised Warrantless for being too in love with his own tropes. Um, but somehow this one this one just sort of slips past. I'm kind of. Yeah, well, I'm not. I'm willing to cut him a blank check for quite a lot of the tropes he's in love with. Like the slight infatuation for a while, it's gone now. I think with interrogation scenes, got old very quickly. The thing that Planetary does really well, but that I thought was actually, if anything, a bit less well executed in some of the Wildstorm stuff of the pasty superheroes. There are a few things, but the really weird aging spooks is just something he's always nailed. And it's not really a playground that anyone else is in. Um, no one I'm reading. There must be someone else. Not quite so reliably, I think. It's just, he seems to be fascinated by the human wreckage of the intelligence agencies. Mm. And to kind of yank it back a little bit to Bond, um, Casino Royale, recent movie version, has a good feel for that. Skyfall, which I... You may have to slap me to stop me talking about Skyfall because I, I have complex feels about it. Um, oh God! They finally made the big Bond tribute that you know you can actually be okay. It's okay for you to like. You've heard my thing about Skyfall being a sort of semi-ironic cut and shut of two Bond movies with the weird reversal tropes. No, and I'm really thankful that you're not about to repeat it. Yeah, sure. Of course, I'm not. You see, there's, there's a big mute button on this microphone. Yeah, but our listeners will have no no way of knowing whether I subjected you to this and you cut it, or I just shut up. It, so Skyfall, Skyfall has more of a wreckage vibe than a lot of these. Obviously, none of the yeah. none of the Roger Moore stuff was because it was fucking carry on up the double O section. Um, Sean Connery's Bond was an awful little twat and sort of knew he was. He was nowhere near as damaged as the later readings. Um, your um, your Dalton your Dalton Bond was basically the first free song of him being an absolute psychiatric train wreck with serious debris in his wake and there are sort of there are hints in some of the other movies but you know fundamentally that's where it really set in and it's it, it's taken until some of the Daniel Craig stuff for that to really land. And in in Skyfall, you do see him kind of go off piece, come back again. You see a lot of him being a bit broken and being a product of of, of what was of what this weird world has done to him. And and um, De Silva, the villain, is the worst version, right? Like that's one of the things that's going on. Is if Hollywood's view of intelligence breaks you really hard and you survive what is left and Bond is one exit route and De Silva is the other 
given that the Bond franchise is somewhat willing to... And, and actually, on the page, I, you know, I've read a lot of the novels. There's, there's a little bit of this. It, they, they, mostly the Bond novels are Ian Fleming's poisonous, class-prejudice, wank fantasy. It's, it's, it's candy for the 1960s Daily Mail generation. But uh, Simon Winder's book, The Man Who Saved Britain, lays out this thesis brilliantly, incidentally, which you'll pop it in the show notes. But the, uh, the Bond novels were to an extent part of a visceral kickback response to austerity and to the diminishment of British national pride they're they're an empowerment fantasy they are post-war Britain's desperate attempt to sustain an erection and that's quite honestly a lot of what's wrong with British politics at all but well yes but um, I'm sorry I mean we are an exciting and uh, forceful world power and should be taken very seriously several people in Kent's erections depend on it <sighs> those fragile fragile home counties bonus this England I think this is the closest we've ever come to a defining thesis on this show. Anyway, the point is that Bond is not without a history of being something horrible clawing its way out of a shambles. And I think... But it's never gone there hard. Never on the page, it's gone there a little bit. It's never gone there very hard on the screen. I really want to see what Ellis does with this material. I do will, too. will he just do a one Ellis comic? Will he just do it? So, um, did you read Sebastian Falk's writing as Ian Fleming's Devil May Cry? No, I, I, I'm not desperately familiar with literary Bond. I'm uh, you, you, only you halfway familiar it's, with it's the films. The, um, he does too good a job of being Ian Fleming, and as such, writes a bad book. Ellis could do that. He's a good enough writer, he could ape Bond, he could he could just do Fleming Bond on the page, he could just do movie Bond on the page. It would be I mean, fuck it, you could it's, they've explicitly stated that it's going to be it's the Bond of the books. Hmm. But I don't think that that necessarily means that he's going to ape Fleming. No. It being a different well, format is a very good excuse to make hmm. a clean break. But the Bond of the books or a version of the Bond of the books trying to exist in something approximating the contemporary world, in something mm. approximating the contemporary clandestine world. Yeah. I can't think of anything, anyone I want writing that more than Morales. No. And for all the reasons we previously mentioned, he, is, he has given more consideration to the detritus and fallout of the intelligence agencies than any other writer working in comics. He's absolutely the right person to be doing this. And to be honest, probably the only way you could get me to buy a James Bond comic. I'm... I'm a phenomenal Bond geek, and honestly, this is pure prejudice, but if you told me there's a James Bond comic on IDW, I'd make a weird face at you. Yeah. I'd probably tell you to fuck off. You do that. Maybe some, two people maybe for reasons. Less kind. Yeah. You're you're a crude, violent man. I'm not violent. You are linguistically. Sure. Okay. 
but so really you were going somewhere with that uh, my point being as a as a premise it sounds fuck awful right like uh, I don't know compared to James Bond Jr <laughs> I forgot about that oh god why was everything neon orange in that thing oh I really forgot about that it was bad it was really bad wow yeah. Wow. That's even, it was even worse than Jones. James Bond's nephew goes off and has adventures with his weird friends. Who I one of one of whom I think is like Money Penny's niece or something Probably. like that. Every, everyone everyone in this school that they're in is related to famous spies, but none of the famous spies have ever had any progeny or had sex because it's because it's completely removed from the source material and Oh, so it's all nieces and nephews and... Oh, yeah, yeah, then... then I, th- I think the bad guys have direct offspring. It was a crock of shit, and everyone involved should Fucking be embarrassed. Well, I, I will watch any old spy movie, I, like, to the point that I, I genuinely enjoyed Kingsman. I've I've not seen it, but... Um, you should probably, probably apologise like to Mark Miller at that point for all the things that you've said. No, 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 I enjoyed the movie. I'm not reading the fucking comic. The man's an eight-foot steam-powered dick piston. To, to sort of drag this kicking and, and screaming back to the point. <laughs> I'm delighted by the idea that there was a point. Are you deflating? Quietly, yes. You were saying how you think... A Warren Ellis voice Bond comic will be a good thing. I am. There are some things it, that could go wrong. He could try too hard to do some other things. I don't think he will. Um, there's a misstep that could upset the fans that wouldn't upset... I mean, I am a Bond fan, but that could upset the hardcore that wouldn't upset me, which is that it could be too Desolation Jonesy. It could be too... Too bleak bleak tech future I don't think it's doing that it's it's contemporary mm. it could I mean it could also those it could, it could blindside us all it could be set in the the science fiction imaginings of the Cold War that would be delightful he's already been there with Planetary though so John Stone in Planetary is well he's Nick Fury yeah with, with shades of 60s Bond little bits of Bond but so much of it is Nick Fury I mean he's got He's got the hair, he's got the devil claw, which is a Nick yeah. Fury thing. He's got the Blitzkrieg suit, which is a Nick yeah. Fury thing. Um, weirdly, though, the, those the Jim Stranko era Nick Fury comics implied he had a sort of uh, rivalry with James Bond. And you could never mm. quite tell if he meant the film version, which had just started when the, mm-hmm. the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. comics were being written. Or if he just meant the actual character. Like, mm. whether this was just someone he knew and thought was a dick. But he would just go, my car is so much better than James Bond's car. To be fair, like... Even in even in a, a fictional universe as ludicrous as the one that Bond exists in, if you were an actual spy, you would think James Bond was a dick. Right. If you, watch yeah. most, if you look at the most of the films and most of the, read the books... The man is appallingly bad at spying. 
His job is to basically sidle up to you and say, good afternoon, I think you might be the bad guy, then punch you in the cock and see if you react by blowing up the world. I found this, I found this genuinely baffling when I was a child. Like, why does he spend so much time eating dinner while making weird barbed remarks at people? Or playing golf with them? Why does he spend so much time just fucking socialising with his supposed enemies? This is one of my favourite bits of Kingsman. The, the thing where, um, with Samuel L. Jackson and... Um... Eggsy. No, 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 the old one. Is it Colin Farrell? Colin Firth. Firth, sorry. Um, just riffing on each other in this faux-bond dinner scene where they talk about the fact that they both wanted, they both loved spy movies and Samuel Jackson wanted to be James Bond and the other guy thought it would be more fun to be a supervillain and while they sit at a giant mansion dining table eating Big Macs and taking the piss out of each other. Hmm. Okay, begrudging credit for that. It's insanely knowing and utterly charming and really fucking stupid and there are some slightly problematic politics here and there, but you know. To sort of drag this careering to its end, would you say Warren Ellis writing James Bond is a good thing because he's written some good stuff about spies? I think I just spent half an hour saying that while sounding like a cunt. I would also say that. I've been trying to say that while being gently baffled. What do you think about it all, Mr. Connery? I think that Warren Ellis could probably write James Bond very well based on some pre-existing things that we've spoken about here where he talked about spies. Well, we're all agreed then. Jolly good. And with that, good night. You look like you're going to punch me in the kidneys. I'm going to punch you in the kidneys. I need to turn the microphone off so there's no evidence. Say good night. Good night.